Well, good morning, Sun Valley Church, and welcome back to another video cast of The Voice of the Valley. I'm Jeremy Pinch, and we got uh, Pastor John on the other side. John, how you doing? I'm good. Thanks, Jer. Hi, good. Sun Valley. <laughs> uh, it's going to be real nice when we uh, don't have to do this anymore, John. Well, I'm kind of getting used to it, you know, <laughs> like, hey, you know, not so bad. Yeah. Got my coffee handy. Only pro- the only problem with this quarantine, well, there's a lot of problems with the quarantine, but um, I have easy access to food. Yeah. I mean, I can just go get a big old you know, sandwich anytime I want. It's a lot harder to stay disciplined with, you know, my diet. Um, so, yeah, for that reason, I'll be happy to get out also. <laughs> you know, I've, I've run into that same issue. My, my, the bigger issue for me is like, I just see stuff around my house that I feel like I have to get done. Like you have to eat right now. Well, yeah. Right now. Yeah. 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 And it's just, it's, uh, it's unique working from home. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, John, you, you just mentioned being disciplined, uh, in, in, uh, not eating too much and uh, we're actually talking about being self-disciplined in our daily lives and I, I was looking up last week just you know what is what is the world saying about living a disciplined life and honestly the things that that I was reading were were things that we would say things that we would think of um, things like know your weaknesses don't don't walk into those temptations you know, make a strategy to execute your plan and all those things. But how is, how is the Christian discipline life different from what the world thinks of a discipline life? Well, I, I, of course I got your questions earlier so I could be prepared for this podcast. But um, I think the, the first thing that came to my mind is we have different goals, right? We have, uh, the world's discipline uh, has good points, you know, physical fitness, organization, responsibility, all those things are important. Um, but their ends are primarily to make much of self, prideful game, uh, self-promotion. That's the point of, or a significant point of, of non-Christian secular um, discipline. I want to be physically fit. So I look good when I'm in my swimming suit. I want to be disciplined in this area of my life so that, uh, I'm able to buy a nicer car to, so I don't you know, look like I don't know what I'm doing. It's, it's really self-focused, self-centered. Um, so I, I think the, one of the key differences in how a Christian looks at discipline and how a non-Christian looks at discipline has to do with the goals of that discipline. Uh, the goal of, of the Christian's discipline, I think, is to make much of Christ, right? To, to pursue him and, and um, like, uh, let, me, let me just, I'm going to just read you a verse here and then and talk about it. First Timothy 4, 8, for while bodily training is of some value, that's that physical discipline, Godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also the life to come. 
so uh, there's nothing wrong with discipline. In fact, we ought to all be disciplined. We ought to all be, you know, concerned about all these different things. But the reason we're disciplined has got to be different for a Christian than for a non-Christian. Um, so in thinking about that verse uh, that I just read for you from 1 Timothy, Jonathan Edwards would restrict his, his uh, diet so that he wouldn't get sleepy in the afternoons so that he could study the Bible longer. So he'd be more prepared to preach or, or more prepared to write. That's why he didn't eat so much. He stayed fit so he could travel and visit his congregation and go to different places to preach the word of God. So his goals were different than say Benjamin Franklin's goals. So, you know, John Piper talked about this a little bit in his book, the idea of Christian hedonism. Um, a lot of people say, well, it, whether you're, whether you're Christian or non-Christian, your goals are to, to improve your life. And I would say that's true, but um, the, the reason that Christians want to improve their situation is to make much of Christ versus making much of self. And Piper in his book, um, Desiring God, the subtitle was Meditations of a Christian Hedonist, Meditations of a Christian Pleasure Seeker. And so he was talking about um, uh, what, why we do what we do. As Christians, we should be doing what we do to make much of Christ, which would bring us joy. I kind of talked about this last Sunday in the sermon. We work out our salvation with fear and trembling because it will bring enjoyment to life. And so our, the, the Christian's discipline is not necessarily just uh, uh, un, unaffected. And I mean that by affection. There's, it's, we're just not saying uh, we don't care about personal pleasure. We do. But the pursuit of, of godly discipline produces joy in the Christian life intended by God. And it makes much of Christ. And so I think that's the difference. One, one, one produce, produces selfish promotion. The other produces the promotion of Christ. Now, John, in that, in that sermon, you, you brought up that the Greek, how it added for his pleasure. Did you? The word his is added. Yes. Did you have any uh, backlash from, from anybody going, I think you're wrong, John? Well, only Greek scholars, but <laughs> no, I, I actually, uh, a friend of mine is a, is a Greek scholar um, in every sense of the word. He's a Greek scholar. And I, I, in my study, I was looking at the original language and I noticed that the word his was not in verse 13. And I'm, that's odd. But most English translations put the word his in there because of how the verse starts with theos, that God at the beginning of the verse, they're, they're taking as an assumption that he's talking about God's pleasure at the end of the verse, but it, it doesn't play out that way. Mm -hmm. Paul's argument in the book of Philippians is to uh, be partners in the gospel for your joy, right? Isn't that as you partner in the gospel, you will be joyful. You'll rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. That's the theme of the book. And so when we get to chapter 2, verse 12 and 13, he's saying that. He's saying, listen, uh, as you partner with the gospel by working out your salvation with fear and trembling, you can expect to be joyful. And that's what the verse 13 says. For our good pleasure, not just God's good pleasure. God wants us to be happy also. He wants us to have enjoyment also. Mm -hmm. So 
but now you've got me going on a different subject, Jeremy. So, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, now for, for, you know, being disciplined is, is a difficult thing to do. And for people like me, John, you, you know, me, I'm, I have a laid back personality and I, I no. go, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a very much go with the flow kind of type. Um, what would be, in mentioning that being disciplined can be can be difficult for me. What would be your expert exhortation for for people of my personality type who who struggle with with discipline? Yeah. Do you know who Bob Newhart is? I don't. Okay. Well, there used to be a show called the Bob Newhart Show, um, and Bob Newhart played the part of a uh, psychologist, a counselor. And one of his famous counseling techniques, when people came in with questions like that, like, how do I, you know, I, I keep doing this or I keep doing that and I'm not disciplined. How can I get disciplined? He goes, well, stop it. Stop it. So that's my counsel to you, Jeremy. Uh, stop being undisciplined. Just stop it. So um, there's a lot of truth to that, but let me continue. Um, you will greatly impede your spiritual growth and your conformity to Christ if you are not disciplined. Uh, we don't naturally tend to discipline. It is a conforming to Christ-likeness that brings on discipline. Lack of discipline demonstrates just a, a, an ongoing uh, comfort with the old sin nature. <laughs> We're naturally undisciplined. And so discipline in the Christian life is about becoming more like Christ. Christ was disciplined. He would get up before the sun came up and pray. Uh, he read the scriptures. He was constantly doing what he should be doing, the will of the Father. That's discipline. So um, this kind of exhortation is all over the scriptures. Um, we are to be disciplined people. Um, prayer, the one and others, intake of scripture, private worship, they're all commanded in the New Testament. And in Christian history, we've produced a few who are uh, pretty adept at demonstrating a disciplined lifestyle who we can learn from. And, you know, some of these guys have written books, uh, disciplined Christians who are Christ-like, and they say, you know, common things like be accountable to other Christians. You know, you're in this pursuit of Christ-likeness, of godliness. Find other people who have the common interest. Um, ask God for help. Um, make discipline in every area of your life uh, a reality. Not just, you know, getting out of bed and making your bed. Not just, you know, tidying up when you need to. Not just combing your hair or, or exercising or being careful with your money, having a budget. But also in the spiritual arena. Read your Bible, pray, fellowship with the saints, serve, love, give. All these things are part of what it means to be conformed to the image of Christ. So um, we need to do that. And so Paul, Paul was a guy who was pretty disciplined. You know, he, he uh, had pretty, you know, his life pretty organized. And I think that we're going to talk about him here in a minute. But, but there's a lot of things that he said that reflect the fact that he was disciplined. So dis being disciplined 
is not, um, although it can be, but primarily when we look at scripture, especially when we look at the New Testament, being disciplined is not a, a legalistic thing. It's actually a, a godly thing to do. It's not a what thing? It's not a legalistic thing to do. It can be. It can get that way, but it's it's not, in, you know, in its essence, no. Um, discipline is, I think, part of godliness. Mm. Yeah. I, discipline is is part of the sin nature. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you, you just talked about Paul, right? And Paul was one of the most disciplined, if not after Christ, the most disciplined person on earth. And he wrote this in first Corinthians. He says, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do not, they do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we in imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So I think naturally the question that comes to mind when we read passages like that is, you know, how did Paul, how did Paul live that out practically? How did he live a disciplined life? Well, he said he disciplines his body. Right. So yeah. he took care of his body, obviously. And I'm not certain if it was easier to take care of your body back then when the only way to get from Rome to Jerusalem was walking, you know, or getting on a boat. But um, he did a lot of uh, physical fitness. It says he, he, he buffeted his body. You know, he took care of his body so that he could be kind of like Jonathan Edwards, more physically fit for the purpose of making much of Christ. Um, he obviously disciplined his mind. You can't read any of his epistles without knowing that he had a disciplined mind. Um, he didn't fill it with garbage. He didn't sit around and, and let his mind just wander into meaningless daydreaming. He was consumed with Christ. In fact, at one point he said, we have the mind of Christ. We have, we have the, the word of God at our disposal to fill our human minds with the mind of Christ. So he was constantly in the word. He was constantly uh, obeying Christ's commands. He was physically fit. Um, he was accountable. Like I said earlier, he was accountable to the churches that sent him. He gave reports to those churches. He went physically and gave reports. He wrote letters of report like the epistles. Some of them are actually just reports from Paul to these churches that were, he was accountable to. He was accountable to the apostles. He traveled to Jerusalem and to Antioch to, you know, submit to the, the, the established apostles of the church. So we can see all these things in Paul's life that I think we could easily deduce from him how we ought to be thinking and acting mm-hmm. as Christians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, it's a godly thing to be disciplined, but there's ways in which uh, we can turn it into um, legalism. Uh, you know, I, we have plenty of examples of that. But how how do we avoid um, how do we avoid legalism and dis- um, how am I being legalistic in our discipline? Yeah, yeah. Well, legalism is an abuse of godliness. 
So it's just a, it's just a twisting of godliness. Legalists say we should obey the, obey God at every turn, no matter what. And we should, right? That's no one argues that anybody say no, except for on Thursdays. No, no. Everybody says, yeah, that's right. We should obey God no matter what. Um, but legalists abuse godliness. Um, they make the obedience the God instead of God and obedience a response to God. So we have we have a, a, an issue there that we can talk about. But what I wanted to say first regarding this question, we can certainly be legalistic in our spiritual disciplines, but usually it's not the prevailing problem, right? I mean, I know we have legalists all over the place. I'm one of them. Um, but usually the problem in the Christian life when it comes to disciplines is not legalism, it's lethargy, right? Yeah. We just, you know, no one's really saying, oh man, I, I got to really cut back on my prayer time. I'm, I'm going over to, I've, I've been up to an hour and a half. I, I've got to, I got to be more disciplined and stay at an hour. No one's saying that. Yeah. No one's saying, man, my, I, I just got to stop reading my Bible so much. I read it twice a day for the last seven weeks. I just got to stop that. No, lethargy is the problem. <laughs> We're not, we're not, and when it comes to spiritual disciplines, uh, our uh, intentionality towards the disciplines isn't the problem. It's our lack of intentionality that's the problem. It's our lethargy, our spiritual apathy that's the problem. So as much as we could say, hey, let's not be legalistic, what I think is happening in the minds of most of us when we say that concerning the spiritual disciplines, we're saying, don't keep me accountable. Mm for a spiritual discipline. I don't want to be a legalist. So back off. What you're saying is, I don't want you to know that I'm not reading my Bible. Yeah. I don't want you to know that I'm not praying, that I'm not, you know, guarding my heart and mind. Yeah. That's what we're saying when we bring in that. I think that's a, a, a straw man. It's a red herring. It's false. Yeah. When people say, oh, I don't want to be legalistic in my Bible study. What are you saying? Yeah. Uh, I don't want to be legalistic in my prayer life. Well, I don't either, but not praying isn't the answer. Um, so I would say, explain to me, if you're going to tell me that legalism is a problem in the spiritual disciplines, explain to me the problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, how does legalism look? when it comes to the disciplines in the spiritual life, in the Christian life? I would like to know. <laughs> so you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, we can certainly say, oh, you know, if you don't read your daily Bible every day, you're not a good Christian. Or That, that certainly is the case. If you could say that. But the problem isn't too much discipline. <laughs> it's not enough discipline. Mm -hmm. I think I think the legalism fear is ooey. Mm. Well, when yeah. It comes to when it comes to the spiritual disciplines, is what I'm saying. Sure, sure. Yeah, and then you look at you look at history, and you mentioned this earlier, but you look at some of the people who have done, you know, some some amazing things for the Lord. Uh, they were incredibly disciplined in their in their spiritual walk. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and I would say, okay, so you have maybe a hyper, a hyper legalistic 
approach to your Christian life, to your relationship with God, and you tend to allow that approach to cause you to be judgmental of other people. Isn't that one of the fears of legalism, mm -hmm. judgmentalism? If that's your problem, I doubt it is. Um, I don't mean you, Jeremy, but Christians in general. If you're, but if you're one of the very few small minority who are struggling with being too legalistic in your personal disciplines with Christ, then you could try some of the followings, change your disciplines. Uh, instead of reading the one-year Bible, start reading like the epistles. Sit down and read an entire epistle in one sitting for an entire month. So take the book of Colossians, read all four chapters. It'll take you about 17 minutes, maybe 15 minutes. Read that entire book, all four chapters, once a day for an entire month. That kind of gets you out of a legalistic routine. Um, so read the Bible slowly with a commentary. What Sherry's doing right now is she's reading the one-year Bible and adding the reading John I mean, Matthew Henry's um, commentary on that part of the Bible. Mm -hmm. So she's doing a lot of reading currently, but it's helping her, you know, be a little more, you know, um, uh, intentional, I guess, in taking on Christ, putting on Christ. Um, so read, read uh, commentaries like Matthew Henry along with your Bible reading. Uh, listen to or read well-known sermons from, you know, guys like Spurgeon, Luther, Edwards, Owen, you know, those kind of guys. Um, stay fresh. If legalism really is your problem, stay fresh. And then I would say, never brag about your spiritual disciplines. That's probably a bad idea, like putting it on Facebook, what you're doing. Uh, or, um, you know, I, I would say it's probably a good idea to rarely talk about your spiritual disciplines with anybody unless you have an accountability partner that you're supposed to talk to them about it. Or if you're training your children, that's different. But as Christians, we shouldn't be going around saying, hey, uh, I'm reading, you know, three books of the Bible a day. What are you doing? You know, that that's probably not a good approach and doesn't produce Christ-likeness, even though you're reading an amazing amount of scripture. I have a person that I'm acquainted with, well acquainted with, and his constant default is, oh, it's the scriptures. I just read, it get pouring over the scriptures, and he's not a godly man. It's like, there's a problem here. Yeah. Pouring over the scriptures isn't producing Christ-likeness. So, um, yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Well, sure. Yeah. I, I'm thinking more along the lines of like, you know, I'm one of those, I'm one of those types that I feel like I'm not doing enough, you know? No, you that's know? what I said. It's the problem usually isn't legalism. It's <laughs> lethargy. They both start with L though. Sure. <laughs> but I, my point there is, is, you know, if I'm, if I'm reading something, you know, if it, you know, you, you read and you pray and you do all that stuff, it's almost as if, you know, once you finish that and you're getting started with the day, like I, I feel like I haven't done enough. If that makes sense. It doesn't. What do you mean? 
Like I just uh, I, I feel, my stuff or what? Yeah, like I, I I can feel guilty for not doing enough. You not know really I mean? more. Yeah. So is that what you mean by legalism? Sure. Uh, you feel like you haven't done enough. I would say if you haven't done any, that's a good feeling of guilt. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. God, God, guilt, guilt, the feeling of guilt is actually a blessing from God to keep us from being really dumb. Sure. And so if you're feeling that way because you haven't been reading your Bible, then read your Bible. Yeah. Let's go back to Bob Newhart. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if, if, on the other hand, you have a, a sensitive conscience and you think that you can just never read enough of the Bible, even though you've read four or five chapters today, then I think you need to go to Christ and, and, and ask to be released from that self-imposed guilt that is not from him. Um, you know, it, it, the Christian life is a joyful life. I mean, that, if... One thing I want Sun Valley Church to hear as we go through Philippians is that. Yeah. The, the Christian life is a, is a partnership with Christ and his gospel for our joy. And it's not a joyful experience to be beating yourself up because you didn't read 10 chapters instead of five. That's not joy. We're actually supposed to be looking for a relationship and, and a, a genuine relationship with Christ. Um, and he doesn't want us to have the experience of guilt and condemnation. He did not come to condemn the world, but to save it. You know, I, I, I have come that you might have joy, is what Jesus said. So, and that my joy be me in you, that your joy may be full. That doesn't sound like what you're describing. You hear what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. Unfortunately, you know, <laughs> we both like the Puritans, you know, and uh, the Puritans are pretty, pretty rough on us. I mean, they, that's why I don't read them very much. <laughs> right. Unless you're a Hebrew and Greek Greek scholar and have the entire Bible memorized, you're pretty ungodly. You yeah. know, if you're if you're in the the Puritan world, but you know, I I I appreciate their resolve, but I think they, they sometimes miss the joy that's intended by Christ for his people. Yeah. Um, we're actually supposed to enjoy Christ. Yeah. Enjoy our relationship with God and be thankful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if there's anything that I've learned from this podcast so far is I'm probably not going to come to you for counseling because, okay. uh, uh, that's, that was one of my intentions. Bob Newhart is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's your, he's your, uh, new not hero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, John, I'm going to, I'm going to ask this final question, uh, and then we can, we can get going, but w what are some daily Christian disciplines that we need to Im implement today, uh, and be diligent in? Okay. Every Christian who's been a, a Christian for more than a year knows the answer to that question. You, you that? Uh, read your Bible, pray, meditate, give, love, serve the things that 
we can all repeat blindfolded walking backwards. Yeah. You know, it's, it is, um, we, we should be doing those things just the, and doing those things is not legalistic. It's like, how would you, how would you say you can develop a, a deeper relationship with Katie, your wife? Uh, probably talking to her. Yeah. <laughs> Spending time with her, preferring her, yeah. loving her, ministering to her. You know, this is exactly how it is with Christ. You love him. You spend time with him. You prioritize him. And then you're friends with him. These are, you know, the word disciplines, it's, it sounds a little bit harsh and raspy. Um, and it's unfortunate that way. I mean, just the word discipline sounds negative, right? Um, maybe we should say, uh, rename them opportunities. These, what are some Christian opportunities that we need to implement to be diligent? Mm-hmm. Take the opportunity to read your Bible and pray to the God of the universe who loves you and died for you. Um, take opportunity every day to meet with the one who is in control of your life and let him know your fears and concerns and ask him to help you through those things. We have a loving God who desires to be with us, who wants a relation, a loving, joyful relationship with, with, with us. And unfortunately we've called that a discipline. <laughs> it's an opportunity. It's a blessing. Um, yeah, that's a that's a helpful way to look at it because I do think there's there is kind of that stigma with discipline that it's a negative thing, but yeah. it's actually it's actually a good thing. <laughs> it is a very it's, it's the best thing. I mean, it, I mean, yeah, it's an unfortunate word, but yeah, we all understand it, so we use it. Yeah. yeah. I, well, maybe we don't understand it. <laughs> maybe we should change it. Right. What are, you, what, what are you doing, maybe we could say, when we ask each other these things, uh, what are you doing to take, take the opportunity to grow with Christ? Mm-hmm. What are you doing to, to uh, really get the most out of the opportunity that God has given us to know the God of the universe personally? What are the opportunities you're taking? What are you doing? That might be a little better way to talk about it. I don't know. Let's write a book, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah let's uh let's do that <laughs> yeah all right well thanks john on on helping me personally this this actually did turn into a, a counseling session for me so <laughs> oh see there you go you make fun of my methods and then you you leave refreshed and <laughs> so i want you to well, go I, didn't, I didn't listen to you discipline yourself and repent in the closet yeah <laughs> I only listened to the very last answer, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's what you meant. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, thanks, John. Thanks for your insight. And uh, church, we hope this has been uh, helpful for you as well. We do look forward to being with you soon, whenever that will be. And uh, we hope that these video casts and the sermons and and everything that we're trying to put out there is, has been a blessing to you and we do miss you look forward to being with you and uh, we'll see you next week on the voice of Alan, lord willing <laughs>